1: Hey everyone, today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Engrave, maker of the coldest hardware wallet, Zero, and stainless steel backup graphene. Engrave brings you the highest security in a touchscreen experience to safely manage all your crypto offline. Enjoy a 10% Real Vision discount in engrave.io shop with the code REALVISION. Now to the top analysis of today's markets. Is it time to rethink Fed expectations? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Jared Dillian, editor of the Daily Dirt Nap newsletter and author of the book, No Worries, How to Live a Stress-Free Financial Life, which releases next week. We can't even say hits the bookstores next week. Hits the digital bookstores, your Kindles, all that kind of good stuff. It does.
2: It actually hits the bookstores. It'll be and in the bookstores. And the bookstores. bookstores. <laughs> yeah, it'll be in the airports and everything.
1: Awesome. Go. Cool. Jared, congratulations. You are so prolific. Congratulations on this latest book.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Actually, I have another one uh, in the works for about a year from now.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: It's we already written, to be, ready to go.
1: We all need to be as productive as uh, uh, as you are, that's for sure. But we're excited about this one. And, um, and just so you all know, um, Jared and I actually uh, taped a conversation about the book and really how to have a healthy relationship with money. That's going to air as part of our personal finance education week later this month, which we are super, super excited about. Um, we're going to have a host of conversations um, and I think they're great. I, I certainly got a lot out of it, so it's going to be fantastic. So, and we're going to have some more fun stuff coming up about the book, but you'll have to wait for that. It's just a teaser. So Jared, let's talk markets though. Let's talk a little institutional finance and we had a sell-off in stocks, a backup in bond yields. Uh, when you look across the sort of action today, as we kick off the week, of course, coming off a holiday here in the U S what changed today? Why, why, why did it seem, why did the sentiment seem to shift today?
2: Well uh, it's all, it's all about rates. Um, gosh, I don't even remember what happened last Friday. Um, it,
1: we had inflation, didn't we? And, and, and it, was
2: PP, um, it was PPI. Yeah. yeah. So we had a soft PPI number on Friday and um two-year yields just got rocked. Um, and then, you know, we had a long weekend futures opened up on Sunday and bonds were down. Um, you know, I had a large position in two-year notes and I kind of got the sense that, um, that it was fully priced. I mean, basically the fed on their dot plot says that they're going to cut three times in 2024. Um, as of Friday, the market was pricing in eight cuts. So people have been saying for weeks that the market was getting ahead of itself. And my response to that has always been, yeah, but the market always gets ahead of itself and just shut up. And like, if you're not on the right side of the trade, just stop complaining about it and like get on the right side of the trade. But um, so today, while we were talking earlier, uh, Waller came out and said basically that there was no need to rush the rate cuts. Um, and bonds gap lower and stocks gap lower and gold gap lower. And it was a pretty terrible day all around. Um, some of the charts are looking broken here. If you look at a chart of stocks, um, you got a little bit of a double top and we're rolling over for a second time. Um I'm short stocks. I've been building a short position over the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm expecting at least uh at least a six to eight percent correction, and we'll see what it turns into. Um, I think yields have bottomed for the short term, mm. and are probably going to bounce. Probably going to retrace half the move. Honestly, I mean, you could see tens get to four and a half percent. So I'm looking for that. And I think, I think, unfortunately, I think gold probably broke today, at least for the short term. I don't think we're going to make up a run up to the highs uh, anytime soon. So wow, basically, like, like, you know yields are going to be going up and it's going to it, things are going to get difficult over the next couple of months so
1: yeah so do you feel like this is is you know we 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 came a long way didn't we from november is this just part of a consolidation process or part of you know recalibrating or is there something else going on more fundamentally that you're looking at did we just overshoot in the near term or are we in an environment where rates had no business being that low, and we're kind of still worried about growth, worried about inflation, whatever that you know that camp?
0: Well, the I would like to
1: point
2: about. out, I'm looking at this right now. Twos, tens are at negative 16 basis points, so the curve is still inverted, but it's inverted by a lot less than it was before, and it's in the process of uninverting very fast, right? So the conventional wisdom around this is you know usually a yield curve inversion like is a recession that you actually get the recession when the yield curve on a so if the yield curve goes positive if 2s10s goes positive um that should kick off the recession which means you definitely don't want to be long stocks but i mean just uh, what i'm looking for is for stock bond correlation to go negative again right mm. like If, let's say we have a vicious correction, 10, 15, 20%, uh, and the Fed starts actually cutting, then you should see stock bond correlation go back to being negative. Um, You should should see stocks go down and bonds go up. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, Basically, my my whole trading philosophy is centered around waiting for correlations to break down. Um, Most people trade in such a way that they, uh, are more comfortable when correlations are stable. Mm. Um, usually when correlations break down is when people get run over. So, uh, I like to be on the right side of that.
1: So it's interesting. I, I think it's, it, it's interesting to, to point out, we've been talking a lot about this, about, you know, you have your framework, you have your, whatever those guidelines are that you look at. And you mentioned that bond trade, um, you were I don't want to say you were early, but you, but it was not popular opinion when you were talking about bond yields having peaked, um, and getting into that bond trade. How do you know to get out? How do you get not get locked into the narrative? Because that's been, you know, we we know that there are people who are like, inflation, you know, we're going to be higher for longer. There's an inflationary period. It's going to be like the 70s, and they just, you know, hang on to that. And you just talked about really watching the markets and looking for signals, feeling like that sentiment turned and then getting out, getting out while the getting out was good. You feel like, you know, you made enough money. How do you, how do you sort of have the discipline to do that and not get married to the narrative?
2: Uh, It's it's like you said, it's really getting to the point where you made enough money. Um, Like we were talking earlier about infinity or zero, right? This whole concept of infinity or zero. And what 97% of people do is they're in a winning trade. And it goes their direction, which is like positive feedback and they like the positive feedback. So they stay in the trade and they keep getting positive feedback and they get the most excited about the trade when it's the worst time to be in the trade. You know what I mean? So I, I I, like, I, I am a profit taker. Like I, I often take profits too early, but I take profits and there's, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of people that have put on a trade and it went their way and they didn't take profits. And then it went back the other way and they got killed. So,
1: yeah, that's, we talk. this is, this is one of the questions that come up all the time is why I asked you about it. It comes up when we we do sessions with Denise. It's like people um, have a hard time at the timing, you know, how to know when to get out, how to know when to just enough's enough and not chase it, not regret the last move that you miss because that's part of it, right? You've got to be okay with missing. If it continues to move in that direction, the last leg of the move and trying not to time the top, so to speak.
2: Well, you, the, the people, people are governed by fear of future regret, right? Like the idea of leaving money on the table is actually worse than losing money. Like, missing out on additional gains is worse than losing money. And that doesn't make any sense like, for most
1: people. That's the, yeah. that's danger. Yeah. 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 I don't adhere to that, but that says tells you something about my risk profile. <laughs> um, we have, we have a question. Uh, I just want to circle back cause it was on the gold comment you made. Um, is this it is asking, can we get Jared's read on gold sentiment? He just said it's selling off, but wouldn't that flip to a buy if rate cuts actually occur?
2: Um, I mean, academically, sure, that's what should happen. Uh, The problem is, is that you got to think about what's priced in. And, you know, we have like now seven out of three rate cuts priced in. So if the Fed actually cut rates, does that do anything? Like basically things would have to get materially worse and the Fed would have to cut or communicate that they will cut more than is priced in in the market. Just like the Fed cutting rates on schedule Mm -hmm. isn't going to get gold to go up.
1: Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been
2: evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
1: Right. That's already priced in. More than priced in is
0: yeah. the problem
1: we're dealing with right now, if if the dot plot says three. And uh, do you think we are going to get a recession?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, and that was, you know, if, if you rewind three or four months ago, you know, to my beef with the higher for longer people, like, like uh, my, my point is, you know, the yield curve as as an indicator is the undisputed heavyweight champion. It's never, it's always right. You always get a recession when it inverts. You've never gotten a false positive like, and this comes around every recession, including during the pandemic. Like, this happened, like, right before the pandemic, too. The yield curve inverted. And everyone's like, well, this time is different. And then we got the pandemic, and there was a recession, right? So, you know, fast forward to today, and, like, higher for longer, and everybody thinks that the business cycle has been eliminated, you know? I should also point out that the empire manufacturing number today came in at minus 43.7, right? Like, (laughs) That's,
1: that's that's terrible. is <laughs> that that almost sounds like an ab- I mean, that yeah. is but but we have this has been the tricky thing. I'm glad you brought that up, DR, because this has been the tricky thing about this economy. We've had pockets of really weak readings, but then there's strength elsewhere. You know, it's been like it has been uneven. So you haven't you haven't had all of those signals coming together. There's been kind of this ro- rotating or Lizanne Saunders would say rolling recession in some areas. And so the timing of it, figuring out, are is it really recession? Or is that, as that sector comes out, does another one go? So you don't get that sort of washout feeling of a recession. It's made it a little tricky to figure out what's happening.
2: Yeah. And also every recession is different. I think people, when they think of a recession, they think of 2008. And they think of something that's close to a depression and you actually have deflation and stock markets down 50% and the real estate market's crashing. Like not all recessions are like that, you know, like, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was 2022, we actually had two quarters of negative growth and they said, well, this really isn't a recession because of X, Y, and Z, but we actually did have two quarters of negative growth. So, you know, if we have a recession this time, it's going to be different from 2008 which is gonna be different from 2001, which is gonna be different from 1991. They're all different. I mean, maybe it's possible that we have negative growth and the labor market doesn't move yet, right? We don't get Mm -hmm. significant unemployment. Maybe unemployment goes to like four and a half percent and that's it, that's entirely possible. So- People just don't have a lot of imagination about this stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, they don't. They don't have a lot of imagination. I think we all are suffering from recency bias as well. That the moves we expect them to be so severe, and that's fair. I mean, two thousand eight was extraordinary, and then the pandemic had its own, you know, huge moves. So it's kind of hard to see through that, and then throw technology in, and you know not all the models sync up the way they used to. So it's, it's left things very confusing. We have, you guys are on fire today. We have so many good questions in the chat. I'm just going to start going through some of them because they're so good. So, um, by the way, Thomas is saying Bernard Baruch, I think is who he's quoting. How do you get rich by selling too early? Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one, Thomas. Thank you for that. A lot of wisdom in this group. Um, so Doug asking, where could you see
2: d x y top out uh gosh I don't have d x y on my screen. I don't really know where the numbers are um i what i dollar got a lot stronger today, and i mean it's just it's just kind of common sense like if if tens go to four to four and a half like we're gonna have a period of dollar strength um i just i don't I don't have the chart up, so I don't know where it's gonna go, but we're gonna retrace some of this dollar weakness for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, it, it, it's going to move in lockstep with rates, right? If if we're going to see, you know, rates come back, maybe half of the move, you'd expect there to be a, a move on the dollar in, in in lockstep with that. Um, Todd joining from LinkedIn. Hi, Todd. We always get comments on LinkedIn. Happy to have you here. Uh, correct to he's asking. Correct to assume some dry powder on the sidelines for the next six to eight months might be rewarded with a dig lower for S&P 500?
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, like I you know, said, the S&P is the hardest thing to trade in the world. It's absolutely the hardest. Like I think if you took prisoners in Guantanamo Bay and you made them trade, trade S&P futures, and if you gave them an electric shock when they lost money, I think that would be the worst form of torture on Earth. Hardest thing in the world to do is trade the S&P. So when I said earlier, like I'm looking for a 6 to 8% correction, like it's very hard to trade big moves in the stock market because it's so mean reverting, right? So we could sell off 8% and rally 7% and then sell off 20%. And it, it, you it's impossible, like you have to trade those micro moves because otherwise it's just impossible to hold on to a position, you know so yeah,
1: yeah. um I think this is related to this um, in a way, uh, and it's a great question. by the way, I, I like the I like Todd asking about dry powder because you know we we talk often that it's it's a great idea, especially when you're not sure what the future holds to be sitting on some dry powder. You can do that so that when you feel more conviction that you have, some money to make a move. Um, Mark asking, Jared, are you rebalancing to cash or is there another safe haven?
2: Well, I, I want to get back to the previous question first. You yeah. know, I just want to say it's a little too early to be thinking about buying stocks. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always good to have cash. And I say you should have 20% cash all the time. And right now that's great because you can earn 5.5% on cash. And, you, you know, there's really no penalty for doing that. Um, but way too early to be thinking about buying stocks like that's, you know, ask me again, like four months from now, you know,
1: let's, that's super helpful, uh, on, on timing. Um, also it's really good to look at the psychology that you're, that you're super ready to, right? Um, patience is hard. Uh, so let's, let's ask, let's get back to the question. Are you rebalancing to cash or is there another safe haven?
2: Um, you know, I'm looking at my screen today and, you know, I have a portfolio and everything's red. Um, I don't really feel like putting money into a market where everything is red. Like, I'm very happy to just be in cash. Um, so, no, I'm not redeploying that into, into anything else. I actually spent some time today um, looking at some charts, um, looking for opportunities. I think, I, I think the ags are starting to look interesting here. Um, corn, soybeans, not so much wheat, but corn and beans are starting to look interesting. Um, they're just, the charts are just a mess. They're like totally breaking down. And, uh, I get, I get, I get the sense that sentiment is very, very bearish there. Um, so look like if the fed actually starts cutting rates and we go into a recession, it should be good for commodities. That would, that would be the, the next natural place to look. Um, so
1: uh, it's funny that you say that because Theo just asked, um, may you kindly ask Jared if he thinks sugar and cocoa will continue upwards different at he's looking at some different commodities. Yeah.
2: You- I, I don't know about sugar. I didn't look at that today, but I looked at cocoa and cocoa has been on a run for like a year and a half and it looks like it's topping. Um, believe it or not, I actually, um, called to put it in order to short it today at like 132 I missed the close by 2 minutes. Oh. Um so I was going to take a shot on the short side with like a small position but
1: so that's your answer on Coco. Um I I wanted to get in your thoughts on um on Bitcoin cuz obviously we had all that news um but before we do that uh we uh as you know As we've been talking about, uh, January is education month here, and we've been having different theme weeks, and this week is crypto, given what's going on. In addition to the Crypto Academy, which always lives on the website and is updated, um, Ash has been having some really great conversations in light of what's been going on about how to think about this, how to approach it, how to be smart, smarter, this cycle. Uh, And he spoke with uh, David Duong, head of institutional research at Coinbase, to get his outlook on how the ETFs might impact uh, Bitcoin. Let's have a listen to what he said and we'll talk on the other side.
0: So we think about it much more on the long-term because instead of being fixated on the short-term flows, which are going to be complicated in the beginning. Like I I think that people up front need to understand that because there's a lot of rebalancing going on, a lot of people who couldn't get access to Bitcoin, so they use a lot of proxies. And that could be uh, stocks that were heavily correlated to Bitcoin, for example. Uh, That could be funds that were uh, not as efficient a vehicle for Bitcoin. And so we are seeing right now that there's a lot of movement inside of things. so looking at the the pure volume numbers, even though it's great to see that the activity is there and that the excitement is there, I also wouldn't necessarily be fooled by that because there's a big unlock waiting to be waiting to happen. Um, that will probably come from the broader wealth management community, which you know probably has somewhere in the order of like forty tr- to fifty trillion dollars, uh, which of course won't one hundred percent be allocated to crypto but you know, I think that we're waiting for some of those, uh, say, like pension funds, for example, many of the banks and broker dealers who will offer this to their clients to actually come to uh, some reasonable due diligence on this. They haven't finished those processes yet. Once that's done, and that could take, you know, more time than the first week. You know, definitely more time than that um, right. before we'll see that. So that's where I would say the real inflection point in terms of flows is going to happen.
1: And that full panel discussion can be found on our website. If you are not a member, go to realvision.com and become one so you don't miss out. Um, Jared, we have a couple, JB and Oliver, both, both asking your thoughts on Bitcoin and the ETF's effect on the crypto market. Are you looking at that? Are you in it? What What have your thoughts been as it finally got approval?
2: Uh, I'm not in it. I have no plans to be in it. Um, a couple of years ago, somebody explained the bull case on crypto pretty succinctly. Um, they said, look, th- if you look at all financial assets, all real estate, all hard assets, every asset in the world, it's $300 trillion. Okay. And at the time, crypto was about $1 trillion. Okay. Right now, its I think it's about $600 billion. I think it's actually smaller. And if you said, look, like, could 1% of all investable assets be in crypto? And if so, like if crypto goes from $600 billion to $3 trillion, that's a 500% return, you know? So what we have here are really the vehicles in which that makes it a lot easier to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think it was going to happen just by people going on Coinbase and buying lots of Bitcoin. But now with the ETFs, makes it available to institutional investors and sort of, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but, you know, puts a... Uh, veneer of respectability on it, like it could absolutely happen.
1: We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing.
0: But you're not in it, no, not at the moment. Might you be at one
1: point? or is it just like, I don't get it or I don't I don't really. Somebody said something really interesting that it's there's a difficulty in trading it versus understanding maybe the long-term fundamental argument about it, your or, or thesis on it, which I thought was a really interesting way to put it because there is a certain amount of volatility. It doesn't trade like other assets, so it's for some people, they like the story, but they're they're trying to figure out the trading part
2: of it. I mean, I'm I'm comfortable owning it. Uh, I've owned it in the past, but um, you know, if if you just own Bitcoin, you only own a small percentage of the investable crypto universe. Mm-hmm. And what crypto really needs is like a VTI for crypto, like a total crypto market index fund, market cap weighted index fund of all tokens. So you can buy an ETF and own 2,000 different tokens. See, yeah. the whole purpose of indexing in the stock market is, well, you say to yourself, like, well, I can't really decide whether I should buy GE or Bank of America or Apple. Like, I'm just going to buy all the stocks, right? Yeah. And that's that's really the product that we need from the crypto industry is like a total crypto market index ETF where you can just get exposed to the asset class.
1: Yeah. Well, one has to think, and and obviously, uh, you know, the 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 message coming from David is, you know, be patient. These things take a while to sort of work their way through, and I think some people think that some progress on the ETF, some progress on the regulatory front, is going to enable, like, lay the groundwork for those kinds of innovations to happen. I mean, everybody thinks these things always existed, right? Things like gold ETFs and um, futures and options that that, that that those were all financial innovations. They weren't always around. so it, it does take a while for that stuff to happen. Um, but it's a great point. I think so. I think a lot of people would agree with you. Um, they just like a piece of all of it as a ha- as opposed to having to decide. Um, I, there was a question in here about, or was it on the chat about, yeah, this is from Bo, that we still have people worried about the banking system. So Bo's asking, can you see a scenario where raising rising bond rates? Create a problem for banks that use the BTFP. Uh, you know, if rates are going headed higher again, does that kind of renew pressure on some of those more challenging? I mean,
2: trends? I think. you know, I said earlier that I I think yields are going to go up a bit, but I don't think they I don't think they make new highs. At least not in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. Like, I don't see tens going to six or seven percent or anything like that. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think we probably get a move higher to like four and a half. And then maybe the recession. I mean, this is all conjecture, but maybe the recession hits and then tens go to three and a half or three. Like, I think that's the path. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not worried about like a, like a disorderly move to 7% tens and it blows up the banking system. Like that's just, it's not on my dance card. So.
1: Yeah. You, you're, it sounds like you're more worried about private equity, right?
2: Yeah yeah and i and just to be perfectly honest, like like I don't know shit about fuck. like I don't know I don't know anything about private equity. I really don't. like it's all like a mystery to me. But what I do know is that you've had a couple of iterations on Wall Street where a certain sector of Wall Street got really, really popular and then it blew up. So hedge funds in the mid two thousands, right? I mean, I was in the middle of this. At Lehman Brothers, like, we had a predominantly hedge fund client base for the ETF desk. I used to go out with these guys all the time. And I can tell you that they were not geniuses. There was a lot of dummies, right? And the better that hedge funds did, the more dummies it attracted. You know what I mean? And eventually, that whole thing unwound. And the the hedge funds pace got very concentrated and very institutionalized. And a lot of those guys are selling insurance at Northwestern mutual right now, you know? So, I mean, private equity is, it, I don't want to say it's the same thing because I think there's more sophisticated people doing that, but it's gotten very popular. If you talk to 22, 23 year old kids, they all want to work in private equity. It pays more. It's more respectable. Um, and it's, you know, it's a bubble. Like I, it's, I, I don't know. I don't even want to say it's a financial bubble. I want to say it's a sentiment bubble. So
1: yeah, our crowded trade, right? <laughs> Everybody's in it. Um, it's gonna be interesting to watch. That has big implications. A lot of people have been have been worried that if there is a stress point that it's not where you think it is, it's not the banks. it's not it's it's in that private market, that private credit that private equity private credit market. Uh, a j asking what's your view on small caps?
2: Uh, I don't kind of neutral right now. I mean, I was pretty bullish on small caps um, uh, I guess I guess six weeks ago or something like that. Like I like I caught it in my newsletter. I didn't put it on personally. Um, but now it's retraced a little bit. But I think that's I think this is gonna be a process. Um, I think small caps eventually do outperform, but it's you know, I, I think it's gonna take a process of bottoming for. Six months to a year, so I mean, if if you ask me, like, if I had a hundred thousand dollars and I could buy small caps or large caps, I would actually buy small caps, but mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of conviction on that. So,
1: mm-hmm. uh, I, we got time for one or two more. Um, of course, uh, we've got a question about your thoughts on uranium stocks after the parabolic rally year to date.
2: Yeah, I. This is you know, uranium has done really well, and um. I've been following it. Uh, I think, I think the sentiment is getting a little stretched on it. I do. Um, like the move on Friday was kind of parabolic. Um, you got spot uranium over hundred dollars. Like uh, people are piling in like this, this kind of, this kind of sounds like at least a short term top to me and possibly a long-term top. So,
1: yeah, we're in the danger zone. Maybe, uh, this is an interesting question from DD. Do all the experts that missed the rally that we had at the end of the year into the start of this one buy back at the next correction, or do they wait for the recession that they've been expecting for two years?
2: Uh, well, it kind of gets back to the, to the guy earlier that was in a big hurry to buy stocks. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I missed the rally. Like, I totally missed it like stocks were down at forty one fifty, sentiment was pretty bombed out. I should have bought it. I didn't, I totally missed it, but I can tell you that I'm, I'm just not in a hurry to buy stocks. And I don't think you should either. Like it's, if, if we get a recession um, stocks are going to be down at a minimum 10%, probably closer to 20, maybe more like it's going to be a process. It's going to take time. Like Mm. just, you know, before we go, I just want to say that as I get older, the most important attribute you can have as a trader is patience. Absolutely. It's patience. You have a thesis and it's taking a long time to set up. You have to have the utmost patience to get that execution perfectly. So
1: yeah. Patience and discipline, right? They go hand in hand one more. more, And that's the hardest part. And by the way, whenever we do the the Academy and we have, sort of experts on that. A lot of what we talk about is exactly that, protecting yourself, having discipline, having a framework so that when you get excited, you don't go depart, you know, and make it and make an error. Uh, two different people asking about Nat Gas as we close out here. Any thoughts about taking a breather for the next round higher question mark?
2: I'm just going to punt on that one. I, I don't know. Don't follow it. Sorry. we Will do. You can't follow everything. That's
1: the other thing you can't. Well, some some people do, but you know, some people. Wait, I just heard somebody said I'm a mile mile wide, inch thick, or I'm I'm an inch wide, mile deep. You know, like you can't have your 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 area of expertise everywhere. Um, great, great questions. Um, by the way, Brian did a YouTube poll. I'm just seeing here, are you bullish or bearish stocks? Very interesting. You guys were split right down the middle, fifty percent bullish. 50% bearish. That's very interesting. Um, We shall see. We shall see. Uh, Fantastic questions, everyone. You really came rocking and rolling and we absolutely love that. Jared, great to catch up with you again today. Um, We have an announcement too before we go. Uh, You guys in the chat are talking about NFTs. I couldn't follow it all because we're in the middle of a show Um, and also about music Electronic music. They must be talking about your DJing skills, um, Jared. <laughs> but on the NFT front, we are giving away free NFTs for all new members. The pre mint is now open. Uh, it opens January 25th and runs to February 1st. To be eligible for the mint, you have to open a freemium account and then you'll receive an email about your free NFT. So if you're on YouTube, you need to, you can't just subscribe to the YouTube channel. You need to open up a freemium Real Vision account. And then you'll get an email, and then you head to realvision.com forward slash free RVNFT and sign up. There'll be all kinds of explanations of how to do it. For those of you who are already members, I'm sure there are explanations on how to do it. Um, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sure Rao will be talking about it in the coming weeks about what happens when you get one of those. Um, but thanks, everybody. Great way to kick off the week. We will see you same time tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. Hey everybody, today's Real Vision Daily briefing is sponsored by Engrave, maker of the coldest hardware wallet, Zero, and stainless steel backup graphene. Engrave brings you the highest security in a touchscreen experience to safely manage all your crypto offline. Enjoy a 10% Real Vision discount in engrave.io shop with the code REALVISION.